Welcome to Afroqueer. I'm Freddie Boswell. Firstly, a happy birthday today to Selly, who is away on a well-deserved break. Much love to you, Selly, from all the team. We're so grateful for you. Because Selly created AQ Studios to produce podcasts like Afroqueer to uplift Black and African voices around the world. And do we have some exciting voices for you? I'm one of the senior producers at AQ Studios, and I'm here to tell you about our latest show, Adventures from the Bedrooms of African Women. The name says it all. For over a decade, Ghanaian writers Nana Darkwa Sechiyama and Malaika Grant have been inviting us into their bedrooms through their popular blog. And now, together, we've turned it into a sexy new podcast. I sat down with Nana Darkwa and Malaika to ask what they've learned on their podcasting journey. I think I learned everything. <laughs> I have no previous experience as a podcaster, um, but I did learn a lot about goodwill. I feel like so many people have extended goodwill to us as being first-time podcasters right out the gate and having these conversations. And it's just um, an extension of the community that we've built for ourselves and that we find ourselves in. And for me, that was really pleasurable to experience. Hmm. I like that, Malaika. <laughs> I think for me, what I have learned is just the joy in taking time to have a conversation. And to have really meaningful conversations. And to talk about the things that we're told not to talk about. I've always said writing for me has been a way to process, to think. And I feel like with podcasting, conversations and having conversations with people about intimate subjects is also a way for me to learn and to relearn. When it comes to the topic of sex, right? I feel like there's so much to learn because we're literally told and taught nothing useful growing up so I feel like as people who are contributing to hopefully what is a more sex positive world um, this has been a really important part of the learning process. I was brought onto the team a few months ago and I feel it's been a really beautiful full circle moment because when I was in the early days of my career at the BBC I actually wrote an article about this exciting new blog about sex out of Ghana. And throughout my career, I've pitched the blog and fangirled you both publicly. So it means so much for me to be on this team now. Recently, we all met in Accra to do some recording. And I just felt that there was a chemistry and magic. And I just wondered, like, did you feel that too? And can you just talk a bit about kind of finally all being together in person? Yeah, and I think that's the great thing about this work, right? And that's been the great thing about the longevity of the Adventures from the Bedrooms of African Women project. You know, what's really exciting, for example, is the team has grown. And some of the people on the team now that we're lucky enough now to be in a position to employ were people who were reading the blog, who were commenting on the blog, right? And so everybody who is involved in this project they're like a fan. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and and that's the best, you know, because they're a fan, they're committed. They're doing this work as part of their politics. And with you, Freddie, you know, having you now as a producer, that's just 
amazing. Yeah, because we remember when you interviewed us years ago for the NPL. So it's a beautiful moment. And it was really beautiful being in Accra face to face with you, with Heaven, with Fatima. It's a dream team. You know, like having these incredible conversations and having this great content that we can now put out into the world. Ditto for everything. (laughs) Um, We are really, really a a community, a family. And I know that word gets thrown around (laughs) a lot, but I really do consider all these people family. I consider you family. We're family. We are family. We're better than family because you can have so much drama with family. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) We're celestial bodies colliding (laughs) to create magic. Indeed, indeed. And also I feel that in my time working with you both, like it's had such an effect on me in the sense like I've become more body positive, sex positive, freer, more open. And, you know, I think that 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 just comes through with like just being in your orbits, but also through the work that we're doing together. So what do you want listeners to take away? I think for me, one of my favorite comments from people who read my book is I've never felt so seen. So I want listeners, even though they're listening, to feel heard, right? To feel seen, to feel like their stories are also there. We know representation is so important. And we know as African women, as queer people, as black people, you know, when it comes to sex and sex positivity, our stories are never represented. You know, so I want this to be the show where you're like, now I've been challenged to think about sex differently. Or now, you know, I'm curious about expanding my definition of pleasure. So I recognize that I can actually receive pleasure in many, many ways, right? So I want people to feel seen. I want people to feel heard. I want people to get the kind of stories that they don't normally get out there in the world. So we hope you'll add this Adventures podcast to your playlist. And here's a taste of the first episode, titled Best Friend for Frickin' Life. Yes. yes. We're not just regular besties. No. We're best friends for freaking life. Yeah. Yes. Like, Malika is that friend that even if we don't speak for a year, we're cool. Yeah. And like, I don't feel like I can ever say anything to irritate you. I think it's a thing. <laughs> no, I think it's a thing that I most value about a friendship. I really have no fear of offending you. Shut mm-hmm. whatever shit to you. You can just take it. <laughs> no, it's not that. It's just that we get ourselves and we, we understand ourselves. ourselves and we forgive ourselves. We like, do. And I think that's like huge because one of the like things I love about you're so quick to forgive. You're like, this is where you fucked up. <laughs> I mean, I will tell you how yes. you fucked up. This is where and how you fucked up. You can apologize now. <laughs> and yes, I forgive you. And then we move on. Yeah. But other people, I'm like, yeah, the coffin was already ready. Chale. Chale. And the coffin was the a vehicle. And you put the nail in it. <laughs> yeah. No, so like, I really, really value our friendship. And I am so excited that we are doing a podcast yes. together. Hey, good people! Welcome to the Adventures from the Bedrooms of African Women, the podcast. My name is Malika Grant. And I'm Nana Dakwa Sichema. So, Nana Dakwa and I have been friends since 1994, where we met in boarding school in Ghana. 
After graduation, we both moved to different parts of the world, but stayed connected by letters and the occasional long-distance phone call. We shared everything. Life was happening. And through distance and time, we always held on to each other. And then, in 2009, I had gotten married, you had gotten married and divorced. (laughs) We were living life. And so you went away to a beach trip and you were having fabulous conversations with your friends at that beach trip about sex. And at the same time, I was having conversations with my grandmother because I wanted to know who she was as a woman, like someone outside of the title, grandma. And, you know, what better way to find out about a woman than what kind of sex she was having. (laughs) So I asked my grandmother and she was just very liberal about it, which is, I think, atypical of Ghanaian grandmothers. And so she was telling me about, you know, her sex life with my grandfather. And now they're both deceased. And so you were like, okay. I've been having these conversations and I'm going to do a blog. But like in 2009, when we started blogging, we said, we never had anybody mm-hmm. tell us really anything useful about sex mm-hmm. growing up, right? Yeah. I feel like there was a lot of scaremongering. With my mom, for example, bless her. <laughs> bless her. I love, love that you, woman. Auntie. Yeah, we love <laughs> you. But I don't feel like I got any sort of useful information about sex. Yeah. For folks who are from Ghana, they may remember a show called Osafodazi. For people outside of Ghana, these were like weekly soaps, you know. And Osafodazi, the protagonist, was a pastor. And I felt like what would happen almost every time was that there'll be a young girl who would fall pregnant. Mm-hmm. And then her boyfriend would leave her, her family would throw her out of her house. And her life would just end in misery. Mm-hmm. And my mom would always be like, look, <laughs> you see what happens when you mess around with boys? So I was so scared of messing around with boys. And I don't think I even fully knew. What messing around meant? Yes, <laughs> yes. Like, what does that mean exactly? Right. You know, nobody ever sort of sat me down and said, this is what it means. And then I also got my period very early. I was in boarding school. And I also knew that once you had your period, you could fall pregnant. So I knew that connection. At least you had that information. I didn't even know that. What did they tell you? They told me nothing. Like, my mom was like a virginity... What's what's a bird of prey? Condor. She would, like, circle and just like, are you still a virgin? I just Like, she was obsessed with virginity. And I just got my period. I'm like, I'm bleeding. And she's like, okay, here's a tampon. Oh, it was really traumatic. I don't know if I ever told you the story about my mom and the tampon. And no. I'm, you know, I'm okay with the world knowing. It's okay. I was like, I'm bleeding. I don't know what's happening. And she was like, oh, okay, lay down. I'll show you how to manage it. And she takes this tampon and tries to push it inside of me. No. Yes. And I think I got my period at 10, if I'm not mistaken. And I was like, this really hurts. This cannot be right. But she was hawkish about virginity. If I got sick, it's because you were pregnant. If I gained weight, are you pregnant? She was just obsessed. And I'm like, I don't even know how one gets pregnant. So at Sorry, least you... I'm still stuck on your mom. Pushing yeah. a tampon into yes, you when in you my 10-year-old your... body. Oh, God. And you're not even, like, bleeding for real, for real when you no. first get it, right? It's like a little trickle. It's like, hey, girl, I'm here. And for somebody who was obsessed with virginity to do that, like, she probably took your virginity with a tampon. She probably took my virginity with a tampon. So if anybody asks who took my virginity, <laughs> my, my mother. <laughs> no. We're laughing, but it's actually, like, quite serious, yeah, isn't it? it is. It is. I'm but sorry. I feel I'm like... sorry for 10-year-old mother. Thank you. I'm sorry for her, ter- but she's okay. She's 44 now. She's made it, you know. Yes, it's all right. But at least kudos to auntie. 
for telling you that you can't get pregnant. This signifies, you know, a shift in your no, life. No, but I knew I could get pregnant. So I got my period. Then, like, maybe a few months later, I wasn't getting my period. And I was so scared. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I mean, mind you, I was in a single sex sport in school, right? And I was really scared. I thought I was pregnant. Mm-hmm. So I would go to the convent every day and pray for my period to come. Oh, no. No, but we don't pray for period to come more. <laughs> no, we pray for periods to come. It's always kind of scary when your period hasn't come. And that, I think, was also part of what motivated us to do this Absolutely. blog. You know, and yeah. and now to do this podcast, we want people to just have real knowledge about sex. Yes. I particularly don't want people to think of sex as something that also necessarily results in mm. pregnancy. Because, you know, that connection is not automatic. It doesn't yeah. need to be. It doesn't need to be. And it shouldn't be. <laughs> and yeah. I'm speaking of somebody who's birthed four people. I'm like, it's not every time I have sex that it, you know. Exactly. Because I, I just want to enjoy the person progeny, I'm with. Yes. You know, like I, I mean, have progenited. <laughs> <laughs> In one of our future episodes that people are going to hear, we have the incredible writer, poet, producer, Nyayiko Parks. Yes. Describe sex as... That is how adults play. How adults play. I loved that, you know, because I think that's how we should think of sex. Yes. As play for adults. Mm -hmm. And when you think of play, like, you get to choose who you can play with. Yeah. You get to choose what games you play, Mm -hmm. you know... Like if you played in the playground, maybe the playground is on grass, so it's soft and secure. So if you fall, you don't hurt yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't want to just think of sex as something that one does to procreate. Yeah. You know what's great about the playground is where you work things out. Do you remember, like, remember mm. going to the playgrounds like with your friends? Like, okay, this is where we need to talk about whatever happened. And yeah, you could do that during sex. It was like, do you remember when you... <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, I think that metaphor works. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love it. So, you know, we've talked extensively about all the knowledge or lack of knowledge we received around sex. And our similarities and our parallels are just amazing. So... Tell me about your feminist journey. No, I don't like that question. You don't like that question? Why don't you like that question? God, such a boring question. Oh. (laughs) Do you remember our first argument about feminism? It wasn't even like an argument. It was like a tiff. And you had like come out to me as a feminist. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, you were, you know, talking to me about feminism. I was like... (laughs) (laughs) I was like, that's just something white women created, you know, blah, 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 because... That was like, in my context, something that white women created. And it's like all the things they were fighting for is like all the stuff that black women had to do to survive anyway for hundreds of years. And you were like, this has nothing to do with white women. Shut up. You didn't say shut up, but eventually you like shut it down. I was like, okay, she's a feminist. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I can, I, you know, I understand because the reality is there was such a thing known as white feminism, Mm -hmm. which doesn't consider how race, class, disability, you know, and everything else affects how you experience your gender. So yeah, that historical critique of white feminism is real and it's valid. Um, And a lot of black feminists have, I mean, it's because of black feminists that I consider myself to be a feminist, right? So I started identifying as a feminist when I was 19 years old. I'd moved to the UK and bell hooks particularly had a huge impact on me. 
you know, I was also in the UK as a black African girl. I was born in the UK, but I hadn't grown up there. I hadn't lived there. I was aware of my race for the very first time, which I know speaks to the privilege that I had in Ghana, right? But it was suddenly like I had gone from being upper middle class, like my mom had <laughs> once described us, <laughs> to being subclass. Right. And so I just didn't know how to understand the world and bell hooks. <laughs> Helped me understand the world. Yeah. And when she explained what feminism was from like a black feminist lens, I understood how I, as a young girl, had resisted my mom saying, come and help me in the kitchen. One day you're going to make some other woman cast me out. Mm. And, you know, all of these things I hadn't wanted to do because they were stereotypically gendered. Mm -hmm. I now understood that in a sense, I was trying to resist being socialized as a girl. Right. And so it sort of made me realize, oh, I'd always been a feminist. I just did not have the language for it. Right. But of course, I became even more feminist. And you know, when you figure it out or you sort of get introduced to it, you're just a little bit militant. Yeah. So mm. when I was 19, I was, it wasn't just you. I was fighting with everybody, everybody. about feminism. Now, Paul, you say something, I will just ignore you because <laughs> I don't have that time and energy I know right. who I am and I'm confident in who I am but you have come a long way in your feminist journey you did not identify as a feminist I and now look don't. at you really I will not because I'll tell you why I don't but you do very feminist work I do very feminist work but I, I feel like I haven't earned the title what I know so you went to school you have a master's degree in feminism right in gender and development feminism <laughs> <laughs> You know, people are like, my favorite bell hooks quote is, and I'm like, I have, I've read, you know, like the little memes. Yeah, the memes. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, I don't feel like I've earned the title feminist. I know I do the work and I support the cause. And I'm like, but I cannot give myself that. You, I don't, just, I you don't need a degree. I don't care you what don't you need say. to read X number of bell hooks. You will books not be, to be able to feminist. convince me in this short time. I'm, I'm of, not trying to convince you. Mm. I have stopped convincing people. Listen, convince the listeners. Please tell them for those who are struggling like me. Yeah, <laughs> I think for me, what feminism is, is first of all, recognizing that we live in a world that in general places men in positions of authority over women and props up a system where some people are marginalized. And it is unfair. Mm -hmm. And as a feminist, what you're trying to do is change that system. It can be in a small way. It can be in a big way. But that's the key thing. First of all, recognize this unfair system exists and that you do something to try and change that system. And how did that then relate to sex? I mean, if I wasn't a feminist, I wouldn't do the work that I do today, right? Part of what I recognized once we started blogging about sex was how incredibly political it was. You know, we have states, governments constantly trying to legislate who we have sex with, when we have sex. How we have sex. How we have sex. It's an incredibly political work. And if I wasn't a feminist, I wouldn't do it. For me, this is part of the change that I want to see in the world. I want women to experience pleasure in their bodies and, you know, to have more and better orgasms. Mm. And, you know, one of the reasons that I was like in the shadows is because of my religious life, like my mm. church life, because being in a church environment like that and writing like this. And what was weird is that people eventually found the blog from my church. <laughs> <laughs> How did they react? 
they were like, oh, girl, I see some of the stuff you write. And like, <laughs> it was very positive. Mm. I think that was one of the reasons I was able to go from my pseudonym, Abena, to using my name. And then one of the things I was able to do, and I don't talk about this much, but I have seven books. <laughs> And Please talk about it because some of your books started out as a series on the blog. That's exactly where I was going. Yeah, Two of those books started out as a series on the blog and it's called The Daughters of Swallow. So for me, discovering that my church people had discovered the blog and they had nothing negative to say about it and in fact talked about how much they enjoyed reading it, I was like, oh, we do this all the time where we keep negative voices mm-hmm. loud and center. Mm-hmm. And kind of project with that mm-hmm. and anticipate the worst. But I think for the most part, people have goodwill. Absolutely. And, you know, people want to learn. And we all have shared experiences. You go to church and everybody skank nasty. It's because we're just human and we enjoy a good hump once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's how we got here. So we got to here. a hump, whether it was good or Whether it was good so or good. not so good. But hopefully... Future ones can be good. Yes. That's our goal. Like, this is part of what we're here to do. We're here to do. On the podcast. To make future humps fantastic. For women especially. For women especially. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, when we started this blog, Adventures from the Bedrooms of African Women, this is like one of my greatest flex. It was the first blog of its type. Yes. We in have the setters, world. Baby. Like, in the world. <laughs> okay, I don't know about the world, but at least Talking on the about continent. African women... Okay, okay, okay. All right, okay. Specifically African oh, oh, women. Okay. Not just about sex. We were sex. the first in the we world. We were the first in the whole okay, world. Okay. Name another one. No, none Nobody of can. <laughs> you cannot. I defy you to name a one. Anyway. <laughs> but what I loved about doing this with you is how free and open you were to do that. Because I was not in a position to do that. Because I couldn't. It wasn't envy. It wasn't jealousy. It was a wistfulness. I was like, I wish I could like do this with you and be front and center and be present and everybody to know who I was as a co-founder of the blog. But I've always admired your bravery and your fearlessness. And you're like, this is who I am. This is what I've come to say. And fuck you if you've got something else to say about it. But yeah. I've also always admired you, right? Because... You were doing this with me and we did it together. Mm-hmm. It's just whereas I had my face out there, your face wasn't out there. Mm-hmm. But people who knew you knew you were doing the blog, right. right? And the reason why I admired you, because in a sense, as far as I was concerned, it was easy for me to be public. One, I worked for a feminist organization. Two, I was divorced and I owed no one anything. anything. <laughs> you were and still are married to a deacon. Mm-hmm. How does this been promoted to pastor? Oh, <laughs> look at this. How does a pastor's wife you see. co-found a blog about sex? Where we are talking about oral sex, mm-hmm. we're talking about sex outside of marriage, mm-hmm. we're talking about queer sex. Mm. And so for me, I always like really admired you because I didn't know what I would have done mm. if I was married and married to a pastor. A pastor. <laughs> you know? So I think it's been incredible. Yeah. And yeah, it's been great to do this with you. And it's even better to be taking this to the next level. Yes. And I have all the years ahead of me, right? Because yes. like further on in this season, we speak to older women, people mm-hmm. past their 40s, 50s, 60s about sex. Mm-hmm. And guys, whew, it only gets better. It only gets better. And this is why it's so important for us to, to do this because... Right now, the conversation is still like, oh, in your 30s, it'll be over for you. In your 30s is when life truly begins as a woman. 
And the sex does get better for most people, I think, but at least to all the women that we've spoken to. And there's hope. And I, th- <laughs> I think that's what's been so terrible about the narrative is like, after point X, there's no more hope. There's no more joy. There's no more excitement. There's nothing to look forward to. And you will hear in this season, there's much to look forward to with sex and aging. What I would love to see in a society, a free-minded society, is that I could go to my grandma and say, Grandma, are you and grandpa having sex? And that grandma would not be like embarrassed and, and uh, having shocked or, or whatever. Because it's just like part of the life. That's just a tiny appetizer of the kinds of conversations we will be having this season. Think of it as the small chops in palm wine to whet your appetite. Welcome to our bedrooms and the bedrooms of African women. Thanks to all of you who follow the blog and the new listeners. <laughs> Where have you been? We're glad that you found us and we guarantee you maximum satisfaction as you enjoy the ride. This season, we're talking orgasms. Kinks, dicks, the list is plenty. We're learning, we're loving, we're listening and pleasuring. Here's to great sex. And I'm also learning and loving working on this podcast. This episode was written and produced by me, Freddie Boswell. Sound editing by Tevin Sudi and Mercy Barno. Afroqueer is executive produced by Selly Chiam. Afroqueer is a production of AQ Studios. Our theme song is Power by Maya and the Big Sky. Afroqueer is supported by the Wellspring Philanthropic Fund and the Ford Foundation. Follow us on all social media platforms at Afroqueer Podcast. Malaika Grant and Nana Darko Asechiyama host the Adventures from the Bedrooms of African Women podcast. The first three episodes are out now. Best Friends for Frickin' Life, Romance Novels Ruined My Sex Life, and The Auntie Factor. Listen and subscribe to both Afroqueer and The Adventures podcasts on our website, aqstudios.fm, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Thanks so much for listening. Oh, I need a leg. Oh, I need a leg.